Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode, I spoke to Maximilian Schmidt, head of esports for League of Legends in Europe and MENA at Riot Games. Following the conclusion of the League of Legends European Championship Spring 2021 playoffs, Max told me how and why League of Legends became the Goliath esport that it is at the moment. We discussed Max's role at Riot Games, explained what League of Legends is, the number of people that play the game around the world, looked at prize money, viewership stats, and much more. Enjoy! Max, I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, how are you, first of all? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. It's great to have you on. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, talk about League of Legends as an eSport, because it's one of the biggest eSports, if not the biggest eSport out there. And it's something that I don't really know too much about either. So it's great to have you on here to, to kind of discuss it and to find out a bit more about it as well. You're obviously come on here after the League of Legends European Championship, the Spring 2021 Playoffs. How did that go for you, Riot Games? It was fantastic, honestly. We had the players at the studio, back at the studio for the very first time in over a year. And it was astonishing to have them back. Viewership has been through the roof. The fans have been showering with us with appreciation and we appreciate them just as much. Obviously, COVID has been a massive impact on the whole world and esports has been affected as well. A lot of events moving to online events only and the LAN events have been a bit restricted. I mean, how did it all go for you in terms of the actual event? Did it all run smoothly? The event was incredibly smooth, honestly. And frankly, it was a behemoth of a problem to solve when it comes to getting people back to the studio in the middle of the pandemic while still putting the player health and safety as well as obviously the safety of their teams and our staff uh, at, at the forefront of every single decision made. And we were able to pull it off. And frankly, we basically had almost zero technical issues of any kind, despite some of the players being at the studio for the very first time in their careers, right? Because we're now in this online mode for over a year and transitioning back. Uh, I expected, frankly, um, more more struggles, but we, we managed to pull it off. So all kudos to the team. That's great news. Great to hear. And hopefully we can have more of these events going forward as well. Now the vaccination program across Europe is rolling out nicely as well. So let's hope for for more in-person events uh, in 2021 and 2022 as well. But I'm sure we'll we'll touch on the, the playoffs and kind of viewership figures and the prize money and the overall and stuff like that. But first of all, I just wanted to go back to basics, really. Do you just want to give anyone listening just an overview of your role at Riot Games and, and what it is you do, please? Certainly. Um, I'm currently occupying the role of the head of esports uh, for League of Legends in Europe and MENA. And frankly, what I do, especially when it comes to the LEC, can be very closely compared to the commissioner that you know in a lot of the traditional sports leagues, right? Um, Who is the figurehead and the direct communication point for the team, as well as managing the overall strategy for the product and 
various aspects of it, frankly, from its monetization to its publication to its marketing um, to the relationship building with the fans and with the partners and teams alike. The role at a publisher, obviously, is slightly different because it extends beyond that. We're not only the sports league, we're already also developing the, the sport itself, right? Um, so there's additional responsibilities that come from that. But I think for the purpose of the competition and sports side, I think it's it's very fair to compare the role to a commissioner um, of the LEC, which is also a title that I used to occupy in the past. Do we just want to give as well, because I'm sure there's people listening who have heard of League of Legends, if they're esports fans or maybe they just play FIFA or and they're very kind of casual esports viewers as well. Should we explain what League of Legends is, first of all, as, of as a game? Because a lot of people, me included, when I first kind of got into esports and gaming, League of Legends, it kind of it can be overwhelming in terms of the complexity of it. Um, but I mean, the more I've looked into it, the more I've understood it. I mean, it is a very simple premise, but there's just loads of different variations and there's a lot of different strategies you can use, isn't there, for the end goal? So do, do you just want to do your best to summarize yeah. the game um, and the objectives, please, if you can? I don't I don't mind trying at all. So uh, <laughs> League of Legends is a video game, uh, first and foremost. Uh, it's a free-to-play game that you can just download online. And it's a multiplayer online battle arena is what it's called. So it's a five versus five game, which you can either play together with your friends or against them um, or against strangers or with them online. And the goal of this is a tactical game where the purpose is to expand your forces and you assume the role of a character and you try to invade the enemy base and try to destroy their the headquarters, which we call the Nexus. And to accomplish that, you can assume the role of more than 150 champions that we have in the game. Every single player on your team can do that. And then it's the entire purpose and premise of the game is to coordinate together with your teams to push forward into the enemy base and then in the end uh, conquer it. So in terms of an eSport, it's very different, isn't it, to say FIFA eSports in that you are just one champion and you have five specific esports players professional yeah. esports players playing as a particular champion so you've got basically 10 professional esports players competing haven't you in one in one game if you like whereas with fifa esports you're controlling all 11 players aren't you so it's very it's very different to that and then obviously call of duty and stuff it's, it's summer solo and csgo summer teams and stuff so it's, it's quite unique in that aspect isn't it the, the way you have to work together as a team but also you want to kind of stand out and make the difference for your team as as well 100 and i think that's one of the big beauties from my perspective at least for league of legends as an esports is that we have that opportunities for individual players to shine and have these like standout performances that you are memorable and recognizable years for years to come but it's first and foremost a team game and we've seen a lot of instances where individual prowess had to fold to superior teamwork communication and collaboration of a team and that's just a a beautiful thing to see uh, if you're an expert in the game. And as you mentioned, it's a fairly complex game. It's been constantly developed over the last more than 10 years on a two weeks cadence. Every single two weeks, we launch a new patch with like additional features or tweaks to certain champions, uh, launches of certain additional champions, additions to the lineups. And uh, we're kind of in League of Legends 512 now. Um, and the the beauty is that it's always about the teamwork aspect and you can circumvent the most dire situations and overcome them by working together with your teams and um, yeah, making sure that you are doing that better than the opposing force. What really stands out for me is the the 
you can win the game in so many different ways. There's so many variables. And you think of the individual champions. Each champion has their own individual powers, like negatives and positives, really, in terms of what you select with them. How many is that? Is there about 140 or something? I was reading. It's more than 150 at this point. I think we had wow. 150 and four now. And yeah, as you mentioned, like the it's simply just like the champions that you can select. There are billions of opportunities when it comes to, okay, which champions are we actually banning in this draft and which champions is each side picking, right? So no two games will ever be alike because there are so many variables at play and that is only even from the selection process and doesn't even factor in all the in-game decisions that you're making from like developing your character, leveling them up, buying items for them, and obviously the the micro decisions that you're making as well. Yeah, and there's, there's the lanes, there's the forest, there's all the different minions and things, and there's just so many different variables within it. And if you look at a professional esports player playing this particular esports title, the amount of decisions they they'd have to make in one game is off the scale in comparison to any other esport, I suppose. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of esports out there that you're making decisions are, are split second. But with this one, because there's so many different variables and it can change as well, depending on what the other team are doing as well. So it just makes it so unpredictable as, a, as an esport. It, do you think that's why it's become so popular, the fact that you've got that unpredictability there? Uh, I think it's three main reasons from, from my perspective. One is, as you mentioned, right, like this unpredictability that it's, it's never the same. Like whether you watch or play League of Legends, no two games will ever be the same or feel similar or closely similar even, right? Because there's so many variables, it doesn't ever really feel like it's you're watching the same thing that you've already experienced or you're playing the same game that you already played like an hour ago, even if it's a different uh, iteration now, right? Secondarily, I think accessibility is a, at a big point. Uh, as I mentioned, it's, it's a free-to-play game that's available on the global scale. Um, I think almost in every country on the world, you can download and play League of Legends. Um, and last but not least, it's also, from, from the esports perspective, uh, a, a very deep connection that we created with our fans. We really like try to reduce the the barrier between pro players and fans and ourselves and, and fans as well. Like back in the day when we still had our shows regularly at the studio, we had regular meet and greets that you could just have with the pros. Like that, that no no sport has that directly, right? Where you just like go go up there after after a game and you take a, a photo with Messi and like you get to talk to him for like a minute or two, right? That just doesn't happen. We have that kind of connection. And the same we do from from everybody involved in the show, right? Like I used to spend uh, my evenings at the at the show, frankly, just watching and then just like catching up with fans, hearing their feedback, um, getting their thoughts on on what we do. And I think that's also how we evolved over the years and gotten better and better by closely listening and then implementing that feedback. Yeah, and as you said, it it started in two thousand nine when the game was first launched, and it's developed into this incredible thing. And it's the the size of the esport right now is just off the charts. I mean, do you just want to give an idea of I mean the number of people that play this game around the world at the moment? Yeah, certainly. I mean, currently we have more than one hundred million people uh, who play League of Legends um, within a month, with any given month. Um, at any one moment, uh, the stat that I'm seeing here, uh, eight more than eight million people are playing. Also, right now as we're talking, more than eight million people in the world are are playing League of Legends across the globe. 
And that's just really astonishing when, when you think about it. That is incredible, the amount of people that are interested in this eSport and not just the eSport, but the game. I mean, you can play this casually, can't you, with friends? Yeah, um, for sure. You know, it's not just an eSport. It's something that people do for fun and to kind of escape as well, which is which is what makes a great game. And it's obviously one that's been so popular with people. How did this game become what it is? Because in 2009, when it first launched... Were the people at Riot Games, were they, did they know that this had the potential to become this big or is it, has it surpassed even their expectations? I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't say um, what, what Mark, uh, Mark McMurrell and Brandon Beck thought back in the day when they created this, but they broke a lot of status quo stigmas, right? They created a free-to-play game, which at that time was completely crazy. Uh, they, they created something that you would not have to pay anything for. And when they pitched that to their investors, that was a tough sell, right? And they had to uh, really convince people that this is the right business model for the game. But that obviously, like having this low barrier of, of entry helps a lot with um, ensuring that a lot of people get exposure to it one way or another, right? And that they get to try it and just figure it out on, on their own, right? And then secondarily, I think the, the other most important aspect to this is that really the constant aspects were a part of the game from the very first stages uh, of its inception, right? And this constant player focus, and I think Riot Games as a company is just a, we're trying to be the most player focused company in the world. And we're really embracing that, right? So on a weekly basis, we're listening to player feedback and trying to implement that one way or another. And with every single decision that we're making as a company, we're trying to think, how does it improve the, the value that we're creating for our fans and for our players? And it really shows in all of our products. As well as the eSport being a Goliath eSport, I mean, you've got the LEC, which is the League of Legends European Championships, which is the Europe's biggest eSports league. And can you just give me a few details about how that went from kind of the grassroots, really, of gaming to becoming Europe's biggest eSports league? Yeah, it used to start as a kind of sister league towards the uh, NALCS, back then called EULCS uh, was our name. Uh, and essentially, we were having a very simplified model of uh, you can qualify into the league, you can play with the teams, you start from a very, very, as you said, like grassroots system where you just play play in certain cups with your with your friends at home. You can qualify in certain open qualifier tournaments to something we called back in the day the Challenger Series, which was then the, the next highest tier of like semi-professional play. And then the best teams from there would qualify for the EULCS, which was then the, the top tier of competition. And since then, we've... Uh, gone a long way. Now we have leagues across the entirety of Europe, regional leagues, European regional leagues, as we call them. Uh, they accumulate in an event called European Masters, which is kind of like a Champions League you can think of. And then the LEC is the the crown jewel, as you mentioned, uh, of European League of Legends esports competition, where it stands above all these. And we have a partnership system together with all the teams that are participating in it. And we're working very closely together with them and our sponsors to develop and shape the league and make it better every single day. To put it into context, have you got some some of the figures and numbers involved in terms of prize money, viewing figures and sponsorship that can that can help our audience understand just how big this league is? Certainly. I mean, when it comes to sponsors, we're really engaged with all the endemic and non-endemic sponsors you can you can think of category wise. Like um we have numerous partnerships, and one of our main partners, for example, is Kia. Uh, then we have KitKat as one of our main partners as well. Uh, we have Warner Music as our official music supplier. So we really have S-tier sponsors across the board. Um, when it comes to viewership, uh, we've seen incredible growth uh, 
every single year since the uh, inception of the league and of the LEC in 2019. And this year, we've had more than 29 million hours of gameplay being watched in our regular season only. That even includes our playoffs that just wrapped up right now. Our peak viewership has been at almost 600k, 588,000 is what I'm, I'm seeing here. And um, our average minute audience has also increased by a lot. And yeah, it's been a fantastic ride for us. And uh, maybe if we're talking even more holistically about League of Legends as a as a sport, right? Uh, a world championship generated more than 1 billion hours watched in content and had 23 million people watching every single minute. Uh, that's the average minute audience that they had uh, with a peak of 46 million people watching. So one time there was 46 million people watching the world. That's right. That's, that's that's off the scale, isn't it? It's like numbers you can't really even comprehend, like the amount of people watching. Like if you think of like, you know. I, I always compare it to Germany. Like that's how you, I, yeah. I know that like Germany has roughly like 80 million people. And I'm thinking, okay, that's like more than half of Germany watching that that one thing yeah. that, that we're creating. right? And that's that's kind of really like humbling when you think about it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, and you you talk about Worlds, which is one of the biggest kind of leagues, I suppose, one of the biggest tournaments involved in League of League of Legends esports. What are some of the prize monies involved for the players as well? Because I've, it's one of the most lucrative esports as well, isn't it? Considering the amount of sponsorship and the amount of viewership you get. I would want to stress that in our case, we've taken a bit of an um, extraordinary approach when it comes to to prize money and overall approach to the ecosystem. We always wanted to create something that is sustainable as an ecosystem and as a product and business on its own, right? So the one-time prize money is something that we consider not really serving this purpose as much. We have prize money, but it's really more a cherry on top. We think really more about it as a holistic experience and a holistic career path that we want to create that is um, sustainable and planable for players. Right. So for example, in our top league, we uh, guarantee a 60K minimum salary for all the players that play in it. And frankly, most of them succeed this drastically, that amount. On top of this, obviously, there is a, a prize pool, to, as I said, like as a cherry on top for the, the LEC, it's a 200K for each spitz. We have two of those per year, so that's 400K throughout the year. And for Worlds, uh, the prize pool is uh, more than 2 million uh, US dollars, uh, again. But all these are really more cherries on top because the real money that is planable and that both we are spending and that the, the players and the teams are receiving is from the structures that exist within the regions, which is a partnership system as we have with the LEC, which is sharing revenue uh, with the teams that are partnered with the league, as well as obviously, as I said, um, very complex contractual structures that ensure that players are full-time employees um, that are having a, a real career in esports that is planable and sustainable. And frankly, yeah, as you mentioned, very lucrative. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because that that's something that, I mean, I've looked at other esports, like FIFA esports, probably the, the one I know most about. And those players, some, some players aren't connected to teams. So their only income is when they win something or they finish third or second or in the tournament or something. So the, the players are kind of desperate, really, to get those. But it's really interesting that, that Riot provide that that salary to the players so that it's it's sustainable for the whole ecosystem and that's what i find really interesting about esports overall is that the esport in general is owned by the publisher so it's that would be like to put this into like um traditional sport context what you're saying is that like for example in the premier league fifa would be responsible for all of manchester city's wages 
basically is is what you're saying that that's i need to the- clarify a little bit because i i think you got the, the the point but i think i need to pinpoint one thing it's the the players really are employees of their teams right so it's us creating the contractual and direct relationship with the teams yep. and stating hey there are certain stipulations that you need to comply if you want to participate in our league um so as you said like we're kind of like fifa um but the team is still managing their own PL, right? So the players are not employed by us. They are employed by the teams. They're also paid by the teams. Uh, we're only dictating certain terms when it comes to engagement, right? So the minimum salary, as I mentioned, is a term that we agreed on together with the teams as the absolute minimum that we expect every single team and player to to, uh, to earn and comply with. Uh, okay, I see what you mean. So it's not, it's not the fact that you provide that money. It's that you provide the platform and the structure that the teams have to abide by to make sure that all the players are paid the correct amount. Exactly. And can, yeah, exactly. I understand. And then obviously it's on us to set up a business model that makes that attractive still for our partners and teams um, while operating within these guidelines. I see, yeah, because otherwise you're going to get teams that can maybe get players on the cheap and then that creates just a lot of difficulties, doesn't it, then with with kind of teams earning a lot more money than than what the players are. So it's fair for everyone, isn't it, in a way that way? That's the goal, right? I mean, as I said, like we're always looking at the the long term and trying to find and create something that really is sustainable in the long run. Uh, we're here for the decades to come. Uh, I don't expect League of Legends to go anywhere within the next ten years, uh, anywhere but up. And um, from from my perspective, it's it's really important to to think of it this way if you want to create something that is sustainable in the long run, because every single decision that you're making on a on a weekly basis is going to affect how your players and your fans and everybody else is receiving your sport and we really set ourselves up to create something that is unique to us that serves our ecosystem and that really caters towards our fans and we felt we can only do that if we find something that is sustainable for everybody involved including our partners and including the players that play in it that's really interesting i didn't i didn't know any of that so that's good to know and i'm sure if if anyone's all our audience listening i hope you've learned something from that as well because that that's fascinating and that's something that the esports industry as as a whole can kind of look at because i think that that could be if that's implemented in say fifa esports that could that could be potentially a game changer for that esport, but I suppose it's it's in its infancy compared to what League of Legends is. So we'll just have to see over the next few years where that goes. Because obviously Riot have had over a decade, haven't they, to to perfect this esport and to make it sustainable and to put that plan in place. So, I mean, like you said, the only way is up really. And we've got some fantastic teams competing, like Fnatic, XL Esports, Astralist, Team Vitality, FC Schalke as well, Rogue, G Two Esports. The list goes on in terms of. The, the teams that are connected with this esport so it's great to see and it's been great speaking to you but i just wanted to end on one question and i'm sure you're probably the one of the most respected people that i'm going to be able to ask this about but in your opinion do you think esports should be classed as a sport it's a tricky question to answer um, and frankly i think it really depends on what you mean by that right um from, from my perspective there's a lot of things that we can learn from sports still because sports as you mentioned has a long history, right? There's a lot of things that went into sports, but there's also a lot of things where we are different, right? And as you mentioned, one primary example where people, frankly, have not wrapped their minds around this yet is that there is not one esport, right? So maybe there is an esport that should be sport or that parts of which should be sport. Um, I don't think one should look at it as directly and just say, hey, every single esport is the same and now everything needs to be classified in a certain way. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from sports. And I think there's a lot of benefits from 
challenges they went through that we can benefit from. That being said, I do not feel like a generalization is really beneficial because we are not sports, right? We are not a a, a physical sport that you, you do. Just the same amount of effort and training and dedication goes into esports, but it's it's not fair to put ourselves on the challenges that they are facing because they're different, right? And the pandemic showed a lot of that. So if you ask me if esports are a sport and if the LEC is a sport, then if I'm looking at various aspects, that response may vary. If I'm looking at it from a prof- perspective of professionalism of the league, governance of the league, effort and dedication that goes into this to achieving the top level of play, then certainly it's comparable to sports. But there are various other aspects that are very, very different from sport. And a generalization of every single esport is the same and they all now need a label, I think usually goes in the way of making the esports as good as it can be. That's really interesting. That's a really interesting perspective, and I've I have heard people say something similar in terms of esports should be really on its own. It doesn't need to have that sport category thrown on it because it's it's different and it it can it can exist in a space away from that. So that's really interesting, and I know I know we'll we'll, we'll see how that kind of uh, plays out in the future with with different esports. And uh, it's been really great chatting with you, Max. I really appreciate you coming on and and discussing Likewise. League of Legends and discussing the LEC and the Worlds. And um, it's really interesting that you say that you know for the next decade it's not going anywhere because it's been around since two thousand nine, and it'll be really interesting. Uh, you know how big it can become um, as an esport because it's already a Goliath thing as it is. If you're saying that the only way is up, how how much up can you get? I mean, listen. Since last year, we've now ex- I'm looking at the the numbers, and we've experienced a thirty to forty percent increase in all of our key viewership metrics since last year. And obviously, parts of this is due to the pandemic and people staying at home more and wanting to take their mind off of things. But over the last three or four years, we've seen the same two digit amount of growth across our our key metrics year over year, every single year. So. Uh, there's no slowing us down as as for now. As so I, I really believe it when I say um, there's only one way we go, and that's up. And we're it's going to be a, a good ride, and it's going to be a fantastic story that we have ahead of us. And I'm personally super excited for it. Thank you so much for your time, Max. It's a brilliant line to finish on. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and discussing this with me. And uh, best of luck with with League of Legends. Not that you need it. Um, you're doing a fantastic job as it is at the moment. But best of luck with with everything at Right Games. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me about this. It was a great chat, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Max. Thank you for listening to Level Up, the esports and gaming show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a rating and review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Level Up Pod, where you'll find all of our previous episodes and information about how to subscribe. We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon. Level Up.